like the problem with having rhymes like this is rhymes don't matter if the meter sucks. and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Ethan Bartlett. And I also have a guest, uh, and his name is... Michael Lilienthal. Uh, yeah. Man, you just... <laughs> yeah. from, the, from the confidence with which I did that first part, you'd think I'd have any more of a plan, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> um, we are here on... Yet another of our no rules, no kings, uh, anarchy specials. Um, and this is actually a, a special that I I know I have been wanting to do, like, or at least thinking about doing more or less since we started the show. I wanted to do this one at some point. Um, gotcha. And yeah. this is our William McGonagall special. Um <laughs> <laughs> Everyone cheer for William McGonagall. Uh, it would be the first time. Um, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be. So, yeah. if you're familiar with the oeuvre of our show, as the French say, um, mm-hmm. you probably have encountered us like very briefly summarizing William McGonagall before. Usually, dipping in... dipping our toe into William McGonagall. <laughs> Oh, I was going to make a foot foot fetish joke, but this is a family show. Um, (laughs) McGonagall, so very briefly in the context of uh, punishing each other, we've probably explained that William McGonagall is often considered the worst poet in the English language. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we've talked about him very briefly. We may have said a bit more than that about him. I don't remember most of our uh, other shows. They sort of pass out of my mind. I think... I think we've used him as a punishment in the past. Yes. And you like I say, usually and that's... we've like briefly explained like this is a real bad poet. He, yep. Here's Michael getting hurt by him. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's bludgeoning my vocal cords and tongue with his words. Uh, but at least I've never made you sing. Um <laughs> So yeah, uh, but it it occurs to me that like we've never really drilled down into McGonagall. Who was he? Why is he considered the worst poet in the English language? Um, to be fair, it's really hard to drill with just your toe. So. That is true, and that's another thing McGonagall was really into, but we're not going to talk about that because this is a family <laughs> podcast. Um, and I'm blaming Michael <laughs> for that entirely. Um <gasps> So it your your prerogative as host. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been like at least four episodes, if not more. Some, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really just like stretching out here. Just uh, uh, yeah. you know, you know, when you've been at your friend Michael's for like a few days, and then you come home and you just like take off most of your clothes and just like sprawl <laughs> on your couch, and you're like, I'm glad I was at my friend Michael's. But, like, man, does it feel good to be mostly naked where no one can judge me. You know that feeling? Um, 
<laughs> that was the that was the correct sound, yes. Um so today I thought we'd sort of drill down into William McGonagall with our big toes. Um and sort of do some like good old fashioned just like uh line by line, you know, textual uh textual criticism, textual reading. Um, the sort of thing you do as an undergraduate English major and then never again after you graduate. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that said, um, I I mean, we don't have rules for this one, but we do have drinks and they're not scotch, but we are in rooms. Um, mm-hmm. So that said, Michael, I do, before we get really get into William McGonagall, I want to know what you're drinking. Ah, yes. So, what I'm drinking. The thing about the thing wasabi I'm drinking. What? Is that a little bit goes a long way. <laughs> That's right. my preface. Stop the podcast. This podcast is all... This is an hour of you explaining your preface. <laughs> so, I got this idea a while ago because um, my wife and I were planning a... Uh, a date, an outing, an escape into the Twin Cities, uh, and hope, hopefully going to have um, some brunch out and about somewhere. Now, I don't want to, like, and... nitpick at your language, but, like, the way you constructed that sentence implies that the Twin Cities are, like, all around you, always, but you're, like, mm-hmm. trapped and not able to get into them. <laughs> yeah, that not that what I... Yeah. Okay, as long as you're, like, owning yeah. that. Yeah, we're, we're good. Uh, but uh, for one reason or another, we weren't able to, to go. But we were looking also at this sushi restaurant that we wanted to uh, explore at the same time. And so we had this hankering for both sushi and brunch that never got fulfilled. And so uh, I later that weekend in our not exactly staycation went out to the store and bought some hy-vee sushi and uh various liquors and made a few different uh brunch like cocktails with like sake Mm. and a ginger liqueur and orange juice and stuff anyway so i had some of these things on hand and it occurred to me that with sake and a ginger liqueur one could make something approximating a sushi cocktail (laughs) okay and so i have been fine-tuning this recipe this is i think the third or fourth iteration of it and so far it's about the best i've gotten so here's what i did i took about a half a pea-sized glob of wasabi dropped that into the glass spritzed a little water in there shook it around and then painted it around the sides Mm. uh and strained off the dross uh and then two ounces of sake and half an ounce of ginger liqueur shaken in ice over a large ice cube and what you have is this sushi cocktail um and it sounds disgusting when you call it a sushi cocktail but it winds up being quite warm and nice okay So, because I was going to ask if you will be in pain this entire uh, recording, just from the the, the <laughs> wasabi mainly. Like the rest of it sounded fine, and even the wasabi sounds fine. It's just like sure. I just 
I can only talk so much in an hour, and I do need you to, like, say some things that are not ow, ow, my tongue and the roof of my mouth, and it burns. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I gotcha. Um, The mistake I made earlier in making this cocktail in one of the previous iterations was including the wasabi in the other two ingredients in the shaker cup. Sure. Because what you wind up with there is cold, not, not dispersed globs of mm. wasabi that get strained out into the cup yeah and, and then probably... you just get surprised with a blam of this uh very hot spicy wasabi right that you don't want right there right then <laughs> but painting it around just gives it a nice little a nice calm heat okay. flavor okay um yeah calm heat is the name of my emo band from the early 2000s <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking, Ethan. Um, what are you drinking? That's very good. It's very creative. I am drinking something called uh, Nuts and Sherry Punch. Um, I got this recipe straight out of a book I have called Death and Company. Um, Death and Company is a bar in New York City. Um, they open sort of during the, the real, like, flourishing of the cocktail renaissance in like the early 2000s um and their their whole shtick like even the the log line of their book is mm, nope i i set that up real confidently i can't remember but it's something like um <laughs> classic modern cocktails something like that um the concept is they're doing classic like pre-prohibition style cocktails but with modern ingredients and and new interesting techniques and so forth so this is a a punch built on pretty classic punch lines uh something Mm -hmm. i said on purpose not a pun i just occurred to me after the phrase was out of my mouth but um with with some sort of twists and so forth so you've got your classic you know liquor wine citrus um uh spice profile but uh, the wine in this case is sherry. Um, there's some whiskey in it. Uh, just mm. some sugar. Uh, there's allspice dram provides like the spice, and then you've got some like little bits of lime and pineapple juice to to provide the citrus. And um, mm-hmm. it's very nice. the The recipe that I worked from was meant to serve a bunch of people, so I sort of cut it in half and. Um, it mm-hmm. just barely didn't overflow my, uh, my double rocks glass. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. And it's, it's, a it's, it's a very nice, uh, it's both, it's both like smooth and then strong in unexpected ways. Um, I was trying to think if I could like build a bridge to the, the poet, poetic line of William McGonagall, but. I even I couldn't but tell a lie. All that. you can do is theorize a bridge. <laughs> oh, oh, I like that. Ah, uh, ah. Uh? Because, <laughs> gentle listener, the um work we're going to be focusing on this evening is probably McGonagall's most famous uh, poem, "The Tay Bridge Disaster." Um. <laughs> now, just to give a little context, so as as we've said. Very briefly before, William McGonagall was a Victorian poet. He is widely known as the worst poet in the English language. Now, we've said this and we've given evidence in, like, ways that I've punished Michael on this podcast, but 
in doing our textual criticism, I really want to want us to drill down and see if we can like discover some of the reasons why this is the case. Um, why it's the worst? Yeah. Why is he considered the worst poet? And you know, there's something I, holistic about that idea that like yeah. maybe we won't be able to like fully explicate. Maybe it's just an experience. But I want us to at least give mm-hmm. it a shot. Um, that's that's what I was gonna say too, and, and I don't know if exactly this is what you meant by by saying there's something holistic about that. But if you say something's the worst, then you've compared it to everything else, right. and I I don't think we have the space to do quite that. No, but we'll at least see why he's really, really, really bad. Yeah, there's there's like an extrinsic and an intrinsic thing to that, and. You've suggested sure. the extrinsic, like we'd have to compare him to Shakespeare and Wordsworth and literally whoever else. But I think there's also an intrinsic thing. Like when you talk about a bad movie, for example, you're you're not inherently comparing it mm. to any other given movie. You're saying it fails on its own terms. Um, right. And I think I think what if if we are successful at what we try to do here, we will show you why McGonagall fails so badly on his own terms. Now. The only other thing I wanted to say before we get into uh, the text of the Taybridge disaster um, mm-hmm. is just that, like, you have to be careful about being derisive of a given work. Like, in, in comedy, hmm. you know, they talk... And I'm not suggesting what we do here is comedy, um, even though we amuse ourselves and each other. Like, that's that's the main point. But But in comedy, they talk about, like, punching up versus punching down, right? So mm-hmm. you you're go you want to be punching up as a comedian. So you want to be taking your shots at you know corrupt politicians or uh, you know super super like I don't know rich business moguls or other people who like a it's ethical to take shots at and b like can mm. take it. Um, <laughs> yes and and this is fairly subjective but you you also don't want to be punching down you don't want to be hitting someone who's like you know already like suffering or all or like you know uh metaphorically you don't want to mm-hmm. kick any puppies right um yeah so like we would never on this show we would never like go into a fan fiction forum or into like self-published you know uh books online that that are bad and like point out how bad they are because like those obscure authors in their goodness or badness like certainly don't need us like ragging on them however right when jonathan franzen a multi nationally best-selling and multiple award-winning author publishes a completely incoherent list of uh rules for writing we don't feel bad about making fun of them because it's like He's not, we are never going to be able to damage him in a real way that he hasn't damaged himself. Um, Or Dan Brown. Yeah, exactly. Which I actually meant to reference before, because I think that's the last time we did like a real in-depth, like textual criticism, Mm -hmm. um, is talking about why the intro to the Da Vinci Code is bad. And again, Dan Brown's not going to not be a best-selling multimillionaire author because of our uh, saying that his books are bad. So it's like... And we're we're not going to change that exactly. Um, so, and and I mean, if we are, it's because his books are bad. It's not because we pointed it out. Yeah. Um. Like it's right. he's not. We're not doing anything to him. He hasn't done to himself. Yeah. Um. Which he's. 
<laughs> so, uh, with William McGonagall, like, I I think several things uh, uh, line up here because a McGonagall is dead. He's like long yeah. dead. He's super dead. We're not gonna we're not gonna make him any deader. Um, especially because our pre-show seance failed, so we're not gonna be able to like hold him to account. We tried. We tried everybody. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, like we're not tarnishing a reputation here. Like the the uh, yeah. website that we're at, uh, accessing the Tavridge disaster on is called McGonagall Online, and the first like sentence on the website has to do with uh, McGonagall being known as the writer of the worst poetry in the English language. Um, so. I don't know if I'm, like, setting any consciences to rest other than mine. Like, I don't know if anyone else would have even had this question, but if they did, there mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. um, so that said, I would love to get into the text of the Tay Bridge disaster. Uh, Sounds great. Do you, Michael, do you want to read the first stanza, or do you want me to do it? I Sure, I'll okay. take it. Um Okay. <clears throat> Brite, alas, I am very sorry to say that 90 lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of 1879, which will be remembered for a very long time. Thank you, Michael. Um, You're welcome. You almost made that sound like a legitimate poem, if anyone could do it. Uh, <laughs> but... That said, why is this bad? Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are there are a lot of answers to that, but but pick like whichever one stands up, you know, jumps out at you first. Okay, okay. Well, he's trying to do something here. That's um, can I de can I describe it as Tennyson esque? Sure. Um, that uh, with the the first four lines, you've got this a rhyme. Um, that then is uh, an internal rhyme in the fourth of those four lines uh, with Tay, say, away, day, and then that last one, day of 1879, which then becomes a couplet with the fifth line there, okay? Sure. Um, which, which is a, a thing that I feel like Tennyson did a lot. Yeah. Uh, but Tennyson did it really, really well. Um, here's the problem with trying to do it and, and, and not actually doing it. The meter has to match. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the meter is all over the place yeah. in this one. Yeah. Um you have you've got dactyls, you've got iams, you've got trochees, you've got everything under the sun and not the same number of feet in any given line. Um Cause lines... So that's that's structurally speaking just just one big just honking problem and just <laughs> glancing ahead at the rest of the poem it doesn't keep it up he does he gives up on yeah, it yeah uh on trying to do that there's there's maybe one other stanza that that does the same oh, thing yeah. uh, okay then there's another one that that gets it even longer and then he tries to do it halfway through the last stanza too um and even if you that's just surveying yeah <laughs> that's a really good really good observation i was gonna say even if you sort of like zoom your your eyes out and like look at the form of this poem and just look at how long the yep. lines are in comparison to each other um you know any given poem in english is going to have slight variations with that but sure. like you can just tell like some of the lines are so short and some of them are so long and they don't those don't reoccur yeah. 
Because you can have like parallelism, right? You can start a stanza oh, yeah. with a long line and go to a short line and then go back to a long line or something like that. Or, you know, like a limerick has two long lines, two short lines and one long. Like that happens, but there's no discernible pattern to this in this uh, mm-hmm. in this poem. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, which I, I, I want to conceive of the idea that perhaps um to 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 give mcgonagall a little bit of grace sure. here um he he might be caught right in the middle uh of two eras of poetry perhaps okay. that um we're 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 getting not we're, we're getting close to the time when free verse is is kind of the rule sure <laughs> and uh structure is 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 no longer so he's like right in the middle between those i mean like i mentioned tennyson who has his forms and his forms are part of the beauty of it um but then you're going to be getting into uh the 20th century soon here when um well, like uh, um, T.S. Eliot is right. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's not exactly close there, but I, I'm. I, I have to feel like he might have been pulled in two different directions on that. Like, I need to follow a structure, but I, I, I guess I don't have to. I'm really <laughs> proud of you for like trying so hard. I'm trying, like, and I can so hear it. Like, I can hear the physical something. like sinews in your body like strain as you're trying to find any way to like um you know yeah f- forgive him or 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 be be uh or justify terrible or justify even, even the slightest yeah um i mean it doesn't work though because first no. of all um i like the the age of poets feeling the need to rhyme their verse and follow formal structures lasts well into the 20th century. And I did just look it up just to be sure. Um, This poem came out in 1880. Uh, Some of the poems in the Harlem Renaissance, which are, is, you know, a fame, a movement famous for uh, helping to free, to free verse, Mm -hmm. right. To, to, if not, Mm-hmm. get rid of all rhymes and things at least to to have your verse be more like a beat or a rhythm um yeah like some of the early poems in the harlem renaissance are sonnets uh like one of the most famous sure. poems is is a a sonnet about um about world war one and about the the carnage you know in world war one but but it's mm-hmm. very much a formal sonnet like uh sure if if mcgonagall was writing i would say in 1910 at the earliest maybe 1915 for sure this would be a really valid argument in 1880 30 years before that um (laughs) i find it very difficult to to entertain sure that's Um, fair that's fair and especially and again like then there's the that's extrinsic right there's the intrinsic thing of like he's clearly going for a rhymed verse with meter like he is, you know, yes. He's yeah. trying, and then, but like, he's not trying hard enough. He's he's not correcting exactly. himself. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, even if this were the age of free verse, he would be trying for something yeah. else and failing at it. 
Yes, yes. Like you said earlier, the um, the, he, he he's failing at his own rules or, or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. Um, um, yeah. Uh, one more thing about this stanza that I I, I want to say before we do yeah. any more moving on is, um, I I didn't say the the first thing that made it bad sure. is the first word. <laughs> it, beautiful. Don't start a poem with beautiful. That's I, almost it, like that's. I mean, we can say it's telling rather yeah. than showing, but it's—I I mean, it's—it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't. It's it, almost it's beautiful. It's almost like starting a novel with the word "renowned." Oh my gosh! Yes, it's exactly like starting a novel with the word <laughs> "renowned." Um, it's just don't do that. Yeah. Don't just. Can I? 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 I I'm. I'm this close to saying don't start any work with an adjective. But see, here's the thing. There's there's a good way to do it. There's there's got to be a good way um, to do it. But that's a really interesting point, and I feel like instinctively I I agree with. Don't start any work with an adjective. Um, like it's it's one of those rules that you have to know so you know. Yeah, heartbreak. yeah. And I mean, I've I've been rereading uh, uh, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer recently, and he Twain starts in dialogue, which is like. Mm-hmm. again one of those rules that that it's mm-hmm. like that's breaking a rule you're not supposed to start in dialogue but i feel like starting a novel right. in dialogue is less offensive than starting a poem with an adjective yeah 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 and that's that's maybe maybe the key here it's it's worse with yeah. a poem because a poem is supposed to 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 paint in really broad strokes it's supposed to evoke beauty yeah and you can't evoke beauty by saying right. beautiful. Um, and that dovetails with, like, uh, my main criticism. I mean, uh, my the first criticism that leaps to my mind about this, uh, this stanza, um, other than everything that you just said, which is uh, most of it does isn't necessary. And, like... Oh, that's absolutely. the cardinal sin in poetry. Every single in a poem, every single mm-hmm. one of your words should be completely yes. necessary. Every word. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I say too that I'm very sorry to say if if you're writing about a disaster, which it's titled Tabridge <laughs> Disaster, I am very sorry to say <laughs> that 90 lives have been taken away. You're, you're right. Like. <laughs> It almost sounds sarcastic if you're paying attention because he goes, if you're writing about a true disaster, you shouldn't have to point out how sorry you are. How sorry you are for the disaster. It's like when (gasps) you, uh, you know, when when your wife walks into the room and you're stressed out about something stupid and your wife is like, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like it becomes more convincing every time you say it. Like. I am very right, sorry right, to say. Yeah, the more the more you say it, the the truer they'll exactly. think it is. Um, <sighs> yeah, and like this is making me mad. I'm getting mad. <laughs> was, that, was this a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> Are you just gonna be angry by the end of this uh, this show? Uh, I might, but yeah, we we gotta press on. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll read the second stanza then, okay. and we can see what we think about that. "'Twas about seven o'clock at night, and the wind it blew with all its might, and the rain came pouring down, and the dark clouds seemed to frown. 
and the demon of the air seemed to say, I'll blow down the bridge of Tay. So I would like to point out that this is an early instance of a Mothman prophecy. <laughs> okay. Because the Mothman, of course, you know, is is this uh, cryptid that supposedly appeared on a couple or a bunch of... It's been a long time since I read about the Mothman. But he would, like, appear over bridges, and then those bridges would collapse. Mm-hmm. Um and so you have the demon of the air saying, I'll blow down the bridge of Tay. And in both cases, it's like, for a, a creature that's like, if you can prove this creature exists, you've proved something very existential about the existence of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And they're so specific in their hatred of bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you got, you, got, you got trolls that live under bridges too, right? I mean, you do? So... I mean, bridges and, and mythological evil beings, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> were, were you going anywhere with this? Or was that no, was just, I, that, was, that was just my color commentary on uh, okay, your no, observation. That's, that's fine. So. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, is there like, <laughs> is there an ancient like rivalry between like above bridge creatures and below bridge creatures? Is that what Ooh, we're discovering? I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Huh. Man, we maybe McGonagall he's on knew more than we given credit for. Yeah, he's, he's on to something. No. Also, can we go back to the first stanza for a second so that Definitely. we can reread the lines that ninety lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of eighteen seventy nine? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that's my probably favorite couplet of this whole poem. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't make any effort to be metrical or to rhyme. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got that internal rhyme, which can be done well, but then, like, it, it becomes That's, clunky yeah. because you've given the numbers to it. You, uh, the, eight, the yeah. 1879. It's, uh, that, mm, that doesn't evoke anything. That's, that's unnecessary. It doesn't help. And I mean, um, every time I'm performing it vocally, I'll just like perform it as if that internal rhyme is the end of the line because it should. Oh, absolutely, be. it should be. It should be. But that but you like, know, on the last Sabbath day of 1879 is repeated throughout the poem because that's right, he's yes. he's trying to do something with it. But if you were really trying to do something with it, you would have it as the last line of every stanza or the second to last line of every stanza um, until maybe you got to the last stanza. Um, also, you would construct the lines in such a way that the phrase of 1879 has, like, relates to any of the other anything that's going on around it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a slant rhyme in the first stanza, 1879, for a very long time. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Um, I feel like that's accidental, though. It, I could be wrong about that. I, I see. I'm thinking it was it was intentional because he does the same. Thi- well, he it's it's actually the same couplet that gets uh, yes. repeated um, throughout the poem. You're right. It probably is intentional, but uh... it's a bad intent and a bad <laughs> result. I do think that you're probably right, actually, about the Tennyson connection because um, you're talking about that inspired me to to. Uh, flip to the charge of the light brigade quick um yes that's mm-hmm. and every 
well, okay, the first four stanzas, nope, the first three stanzas of Charge of the Light Brigade have the exact same uh, uh, pair of lines at the end. Nope, it's the first two. Anyway, um, almost every st every stanza has like a very similar ending line or ending two lines. Um, mm -hmm. the, the first two are Into the Valley of Death, Road the 600, and then the next... You know, you got stanza three into the mouth of hell, rode the six hundred. Mm -hmm. Then they rode back, but not not the six hundred. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's clearly yeah. It's the same structure. Structurally, it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but then McGonagall gives up on it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. Anything else to say about the second stanza? Now that we've talked about the first one again. Well, I mean, he's got these totally unnecessary things. It was about 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. Like, well, that doesn't say anything. Um, the wind blew, the rain, dark clouds, the demon. This this seemed... Okay, Here, here's the problem with the second last, line, second to last line of the second stanza. And the demon of the air seemed to say, okay, you, you're creating this um, uh, personification of the air with the demon of the air here so you've got that but then you are turning that personification into a simile with seemed right. and that just twists around your poetic devices in a really uncomfortable way yeah. um again with the the and, and seemed is repeated from the <laughs> line right before it too and seem is just a bad word to have in a poem right um Unless it's done with very explicit intent, like we said, every word in a poem it has to be necessary. Yeah, and seem is such an unnecessary word in almost every instance. Especially in a poem, like <laughs> especially you know, in a poem. you can, you need it in legalese sometimes, and you like or or journalism. Um, in a novel, sometimes it's helpful. In a poem, it's almost never good like there's almost never right. Right. uh it, it's almost never helping you right. also j just giving this demon of the air a line of dialogue instead of a motive right um lame sauce right um yeah that's what i have to say um yeah i i like that uh do you want to read the the third stanzas or are gonna make you too mad I will All do right. it. Here we go. When the train left Edinburgh, the Edinburgh, the passengers' hearts were light and felt no sorrow. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, hold on. Let me try that again. Yeah, just do it. When in the a train left Edinburgh, nice the passengers' hearts were light and felt no sorrow, but Boreas blew a terrific gale, which made their hearts for to quail, and many of the passengers with fear did say, I hope God will send us safe across the Bridge of Tay. Oh um, I not to give you like notes or anything, but <laughs> there is a way that you could read those first two lines that will definitely make you hate it less. And that's to read it in like sort of a Scotch Irish kind of accent. Okay. When the train left Edinburgh, the passengers' hearts were light and felt no sorrow. No, that doesn't oh, it, make me less mad. It doesn't? <laughs> Are you still no. very angry about it? I'm still very angry about it. Oh, okay. Oh. 
<laughs> no, and I'm a hundred percent sure that's what the rhyme is meant to be, or at least something. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm exactly with you. That is, that is what he was trying to do. And oh my gosh, that's bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when the train left Edinburgh, the passengers' hearts were light and felt no sorrow. Oh my gosh, that like the problem with having rhymes like this is rhymes don't matter if the meter sucks. <laughs> If I if I uh, were a good editor who was like willing to take a line you know from the middle of the show and hop 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 it back to the beginning of the show, that's the line I would do. <laughs> Rhymes don't matter if the meter sucks. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> I mean, oh, you you it's... are not wrong about that. It is true, and that. That's like all over, not just this poem, but it's 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 a McGonagall special. Yeah. Um. Okay, who's Boreas? I f- I feel like that's a mythological thing that I should know. Is that one of the one of the four winds? Yeah, I believe he's the North Wind. North Wind. That makes sense. I um, think I mostly. Yeah, like Zephyr is the West Wind. Yeah. I think. Um, yep, he's the he's the yeah. god of the North Wind. I mostly know who yeah. he is because he's a major character in the comic book series Fables. Oh, and okay. that's how I get a lot of my mythological and fairy tale knowledge. And I've now put that on the public Fair. record. Mm-hmm. Now we all know and we can all make fun of you. Which um, was... No, I, I, I'm, all, all the fun is being had at McGonagall's <laughs> expense, so... Um, but yeah, we've we've posited a demon of the air and we've posited Boreas without really any kind yeah. of like even poetic context. Nope, no no poetic context. Um you would have those two united if you were a good poet. Right. Um and you would also if you wanted them included at all, make them really interesting characters right. instead of just half-hearted references. Yeah, like even if they were clearly metaphorical characters, like you'd imbue them with some personality or mm-hmm. or a resonance of some kind. Um, right. Now, my favorite part of... And again, we're full of unnecessary words, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. too, all over the place. Absolutely. <sighs> my favorite part of this, like, is how relatable it is. Like, you know when you're, like, in an airplane or a car and it's, like a bad storm um and you're not sure like you know the it's it's worrying enough that like the weather you know we live in minnesota and wisconsin like we're familiar with car trips that you take when you don't think the snow is going to be bad and then you're halfway there down the highway and you're just hoping to get to the next Mm -hmm. exit let alone back to the to the hotel or back home and you know how what you then say is i hope god will get us to the next natural, like, landscape landmark. Like, how uh-huh, you turn uh-huh. to your fellow passengers, and that's what you say. Uh-huh. Um, yep, yep. Such as, I hope God will send yep, us safe that's... across the bridge of tape. Especially on a train, where you're definitely looking at the manifest for the train, and you're like, station, station, station. No, I just hope we'll get across this bridge that I know about. Uh huh. Uh huh. That, like, you know, I bet that's somewhere up here, right? 
at seven in the evening, I can see out the window and know that, um, yep, we're right about the Bridge of Tay. Yep. Yep. That's about yep. where we are. <laughs> Do we need to, like, read a Shakespeare sonnet quick at the end here just to, like, cleanse your palate? As a palate yeah. cleanser. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um. I guess I'll read the fourth one unless you have anything else to to say about the third one. Nope. Nope. Let's let's keep this train (laughs) moving. But when the train came near to warm at bay, Boreas, he did loud and angry bray and shook the central girders of the Bridge of Tay on the last Sabbath day of 1879. (laughs) Which will be remembered for a very long time. Hoo-wee. All right, we're back to the original structure. Uh, more or less. Um, back. It's 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 the same structure as the the first stanza. I don't. I'm I'm not going to take the time to check on the. Meter, I was just starting to, to do it, it and then the like meter. giving up in despair. Yeah, that's. <laughs> if any. Um. All right. So Boreas is a donkey. Apparently. Yep. <laughs> um but a donkey with hands because a donkey well yes. well so hands. far we have had images of him blowing as the north wind might be might mm-hmm. be uh expected to do mm-hmm. no in this case he does seize the uh central girders of the bridge of tay and shake them wait no okay here to keep the the metaphor consistent he's not grabbing it he's a donkey mm-hmm. kicking it mm-hmm he's brave. You're right. And there's no like indicative verb other than shook or description of how he shook. Yep. And the last thing we got yep. is a loud and angry bray. Yeah, no, yep. you're right. He's he's a donkey kicking down the the bridge of Tay. So he starts by blowing at it and then he says, "Nope. Got to bring out the big guns." He haw kick. <laughs> um which uh Secret knowledge is actually the like cult that George Bailey and his friends start in uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> it's the cult of yes. Boreas. They were. Uh, it's you know in the on the in the film you see them like his childhood and college friends like they they do the hee haw like as their little in joke. Yep. Um, they were actually part of the cult of Boreas, and that's all remembrance of when Boreas, in the form of a donkey, kicked down the bridge of the River Tay. Uh, little known fact. Uh, the other thing that occurs to me, while we've been talking about this repeated couplet, you could, Mm -hmm. you could give it a Bridge of Tay, Last Sabbath Day, new line of 1879. You could spell out that, that year, um, to make the line, you know, fill out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'd get the slant rhyme, which will be remembered for a very long time. And no smart Alex in the future would have like a, <laughs> a you know oral interp cue to make it real sarcastic. <laughs> if it was its own line, I couldn't help but take it seriously. Sure, you couldn't. Well, now that sounded sarcastic, but I'm gonna disregard that 
I don't know why it would. <laughs> uh, anything more about that paragraph or that uh, stanza? Nope. I'm I'm much more comfortable calling that <laughs> paragraph. Well, okay, that actually is that actually <laughs> uh, reminds me of a thought I've had several times and keep forgetting to bring up, mm. which is that this is basically a newspaper report, right? Oh yes, one hundred percent. This is this is exactly a newspaper report. I think William McGonagall Online has the newspaper report. Oh, that he presumably worked from. Yeah, um, and I I think we need to at least read through it at yeah. the end, if nothing else. Um, but yes, no, he's he's giving. Uh, it yeah, it's a newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, if you can bear it, it's your turn. Otherwise, I can uh, I can take it. Oh, I'm doing right. it. Here we go. <clears throat> all right. So the train sped on with all its might, and Bonnie Dundee soon hove in sight, and the passengers' hearts felt light, thinking they would enjoy themselves on the new year with their friends at home they loved most dear, and wish them all a happy new year. Wait a minute. <sighs> Wait a minute, what? He rhymed New Year with oh, New yeah. Year. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the worst thing he's done in this poem, yeah. so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, capital sin right there. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Bonnie Dundee, I'm assuming that's the uh, next station? Uh, per, perchance? Yeah, presumably. Um, Dundee is a... Is a uh, station at yeah, Dundee, city. yes. I just uh, glanced at the... Uh, and and right about where you'd expect it in the uh, the news report is the reference to Dundee. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he just lifted this entire poetic structure from the newspaper. <laughs> you have the newspaper report in front of you. It's it's on the same page as. Oh, as I hadn't scrolled down enough. Now. Okay, gotcha. Dreadful accident. Yeah, on the yeah. Bridge. Um. Which he just you know he made it sound a little more poetical by calling it the Tay Bridge. Very disaster. slightly, but. Uh, yeah. Much more beautiful. What? Much more beautiful to put it that way. Um, man, the bitterness from you today is just uh, it's not on. It's all it was. Wasabi. It's all the wasabi. I thought wasabi was hot, and not bitter. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like. There's like a creative writing exercise you sometimes get assigned if you take, especially, it feels like an undergrad exercise. I don't know if that's true, but it's like yeah. where you take a piece of prose, either that you've written or that someone else has written, and you like break it into lines so that it becomes a free verse poem. Um, that's what yep. this feels like to me, except like at a C level, like <laughs> at best. Maybe a yeah. At best, yes. Boy, Ethan, I need you to go on to the next stanza because I'm gonna be really mad at the next All stanza. Right. Uh, I look forward to it. So the train moved slowly along the bridge of Tay, until it was about midway. Then the central girders, with a crash, gave way, and down went the train and passengers into the Tay. The storm fiend did loudly bray, because ninety lives had been taken away on the last Sabbath day. 
1879, which will be remembered for a very long time. Who boy, this is this is a stanza, huh? Oh, this is a really um, something. This is this is this is where the money yeah, is right here. Yeah, like we could do this whole show on just the stanza. Just just this stanza. Um, just look at the first line of this stanza and compare it to the first line of the previous stanza. So the train sped on with all its might, so the um, train moved slowly. <laughs> 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 yep, that's fair. <laughs> so we're speeding, we're speeding, we're speeding. There's the, there's the station. We're almost there. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, there's the bridge. And you know how, like, brakes on trains huh? work? Where, like, they're sort of like modern oh, car yeah. brakes where you can just hit them and slow right down and, like, crawl along if you yeah, need to. Yeah, you know, you're going something like 60 up until the bridge. And then, oh, now we're yeah, down to 20. Because the engineer hit the foot brake on the train. That definitely slows it down. Yep, that's yep, definitely yep. how that works. It's, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And Yeah. All right. So so we, we've identified the cause of the problem here. It's the central yes. girders. Um, I um, think that's... In case you didn't realize that from a couple stances was, Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's been pretty, pretty well established. Um... I like that the yep. first three lines are actually a single action. Like, this is just the train heading out until the middle of the bridge gives way, and then it goes down. Uh, yep. But it's, like, it's, it's really, like, in a film where it's, like, they have to shoot the same action from three different angles, and it stretches it out. Oh, um, yeah. And also yeah. your name is Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> but... So then, those yep. first three lines yep. done. My my favorite thing is down went the pass the train and passengers into the tray. Tay, I can't. I'm I'm so mad at this poem. I can't even say it right. Um, that's that's like that's a nursery rhyme. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Like <laughs> if if your goal was to like down went the train and passengers. Into oh, it the almost tay. works too. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like, if your goal was to give some dignity or some gravitas to this, that's not what this is. No. I'm pretty sure it was the Psych uh, musical special <laughs> episode that uh, he said something like, when you're doing musical improv, all you have to do is, you know, make the get the rhyme there and then just sing really fast to, to make it fit the meter. <laughs> uh, I like that, but... Yep. Uh, oh man, what's the name of the musical improv podcast? Off book. Thank you. I was gonna do a joke where I was gonna say I like that, but this isn't off book, and then I ruined my own joke. You did. Um, way to go, McGonagall. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Is that gonna be this podcast like okay, boomer? <laughs> okay. Way to go, McGonagall. Okay, McGonagall. Way to go, McGonagall. Yeah. Good. Um, so then moving on from that line, because we do have to go line by line through this one. Oh, my gosh. Yes, um, we do. The storm fiend uh, did loudly bray. Okay, he's braying now, again. <laughs> okay, who's braying, though? Because we've established that Boreas, the north wind, though he's not called the north wind, he's just called Boreas. Boreas. We've established that he's braying and kicking at the central girders with his back legs but 
at no point have we established that anyone called the Storm Fiend even right. exists. Nope. So my question for you is, is this a second donkey? <laughs> second donkey. <laughs> oh, man. Is this on, this uh, is... Oh, the, on the green? Um, yes! <laughs> that's what I was about to say. <laughs> this is the second shooter on the grassy knoll. The grassy knoll, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know why yeah. I wasn't thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the grassy knoll conspiracy here. Um, yeah, like... McGonagall the, predicted the... it. Um, well, yeah. Um, cause just like two donkeys shot Kennedy, um, <laughs> there were two donkeys at the, 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 uh, Tay Bridge disaster, yep. one of whom was Boreas and was taking all the, all the exposure, all the heat. Uh-huh. Um, and the second donkey called the Storm Fiend, like <laughs> secretly actually kicked out the, the girders for real. Yes. Oh yes. I love that so much. Uh, what's actually happening is you know um we what what we can identify because he suddenly used this term the storm fiend is the the demon of the air is also i'm guessing supposed to be boreas uh and like so he said the demon of the air because it sounded sinister and then he wanted to say boreas to sound smart and then the second time he said boreas it was because he couldn't think of anything better and then he's like (laughs) oh no i've got something the storm fiend and then I'm using variety in my poem, and it will be excellent. And but, it sounds so smart and sinister about what happened on this tragedy. But he's still a donkey. But he's still a donkey. Can't give that up. Nope, still a donkey. Braying. Um, yep. But he, he definitely brays twice, because he brays and then kicks, and now he brays because the people are dead. 90 lives have been taken away. Yep. Um... Yeah, uh, which I also wanted to point out. So we've had Last Sabbath Day of 1879 remembered for a very long time, a couple times. Mm-hmm. This is the first callback to... Uh, lives taken away. Lives taken away. So we get the last three lines of the first stanza repeated in this one. Mm-hmm. Why? Literally no reason. <laughs> Literally none. Literally none. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um... I'm going to say we're coming up on our time. Mm-hmm. I know it flies when we're this angry. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think it's your turn. I'm going to say if you want to read this one, I'll just immediately read the next one because that'll okay. get us to the end of this uh, this thing. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. And then I'll, I'll, I'll try to limit my rants. Here we go. As soon as the catastrophe came to be known, the alarm from mouth to mouth was blown, and the cry (laughs) rang out all over the town, good heavens, the Tay Bridge is blown down, and a passenger trade from Edinburgh, which filled all the people's hearts with sorrow, and made them for to turn pale, because none of the passengers were saved to tell the tale, how the disaster happened on the last Sabbath day of 1879, which will be remembered for a very long time. (laughs) To quote Pirates of the Caribbean, if none of them survived, where did the <laughs> stories come from, I wonder? <laughs> it must have been an awful sight to witness in the dusky moonlight. While the storm fiend did laugh and angry did bray along the railway bridge of the Silvery Tay. Oh, ill-fated bridge of the Silvery Tay, I must now conclude my lay. By telling the world fearlessly without the least dismay. 
that your central girders would not have given way. At least many sensible men do say. Had they been supported on each side with buttresses? At least many sensible men confesses. For the stronger we are, houses do build, the less chance we have of being killed. Oh my gosh! So this is the part of the poem where he figured the stanzas had like gone down below the fold in the newspaper and just no one was reading anymore, right? Yep, yep. That's the only explanation I have for those last like six lines. Uh, do you want to say anything quick about these these two stanzas? Like, okay, anything you just have to get off your chest? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so they're mouth to mouth being blown. That's great. <laughs> um, we can't dwell on that because this is a family show. This is a family show. We've got the storm fiend again. Because, yeah. Um, we we have to have variety and repetition, and McGonagall and again? can't figure out how those twain shall meet. Still braying, um, definitely still a braying. donkey. Third bray here, um, but he's braying and laughing, so he's a, a laughing donkey. Um, a laughing angry donkey. A laughing angry donkey. Yeah. Still, why? Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point. He laughed, so you know he's he's funny and and enjoying himself, but he's angry. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, silvery Tay rhymed with Silvery Tay. Uh, then he's this this tragedy. He's he's gonna tell you about this tragedy and then tell you how you could have fixed it without any dismay. So he's not sad about it anymore. Right. Uh, and then the rest of this just here's how you can fix it. And the last thing I want to say is those that last couplet, those last two lines. I want to put him on a pillow. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Besides um, the bad grammar of the third last line. Oh my gosh. Which doesn't even serve... Because I can respect grammar that bad if it just fits the rhyme perfectly. Like if it's a real super good rhyme. Mm-hmm. But it isn't. It isn't. He mangles the English language to no point in... Like, you know in like a neo-noir film when like you've killed your lover because they were going to give away your secret. But then it turned out they always loved you anyway and they never would have given away your secret you know that mm-hmm. um yep 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 mm-hmm. that's what this is you you destroyed the english language for nothing um now my two favorite things that i have to mention quick uh number one i must conclude my lay followed by seven <laughs> more lines um it just reminds me of my mom hanging up the, like ending a phone call with me oh man yeah i know what you mean not your mom but like <laughs> oh you it, she doesn't do that to you and all of the phone calls that you guys have with each other <laughs> no she's very very courteous and um okay uh, well, understands the value of my time that's anyway. that's well i'm glad she does that to one of us um <laughs> Mom, if you're listening to this because I've finally taught you how to download podcasts, I love you. Um, anyway, I must, but also, I must conclude my lay as my favorite line there because oh, that line followed by seven more. But also, at no point have we referenced classical Greece or the idea of a lay. Like, this, the the poet, poetic term lay has a very specific you know, etymology and usage that just mm-hmm. hasn't come up 
it's not it's not in this poem until now. Uh, yeah. And those are my two favorite things about this last stanza. Again, other than... <laughs> well, okay. Nope, one more thing. Okay. Is that clearly this is like McGonagall moving on from the uh, the newspaper to like stuff people were saying at bars the next day. Like... Mm-hmm. So clearly to me, this is everyone yep. getting together at the bar and being like, oh, didn't, didn't put any buttresses in. Uh-huh. I told him, I told him when we were on the planning committee, you gotta have buttresses. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sensible of you, Seamus. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh. But, and then like, my fourth favorite thing, yeah. For the stronger we, our houses do build the less chance we have of being killed. Mm-hmm. So that said, did you want to say anything about this uh, newspaper article? Um, well, I, I, I wonder what you think about the, the timing on this. Do we have time to read through it or or just know that it exists? Um, um, like, we, we don't have a ton of time, but if there's anything fine. that you want to like no. call out just, quick... In my brief perusal, it my our, my my original my original suspicion seems to be confirmed that he literally just had this newspaper in front mm-hmm. of him and wrote the lines across from the lines of the newspaper and thought he'd try to add some sort of poetic flair to it as he went. <laughs> it didn't sure. Work. <laughs> yeah, as I'm as I'm like skimming through it, I do notice. Those who saw the incident repaired, repaired immediately to the Taybridge station at Dundee and informed the station master of what they had seen. Like, that's just in the poem. And I don't that's think exactly. it's a lot less poetic in the article than it is in the poem. No. Um, yeah. That's a... Uh, I mean, that's all I've got to say about it. Yep. Um... I do have to say in conclusion oh, that, journey. that one thing in this poem is very true. Oh, yeah? Thanks to William McGonagall's poem, the Taybridge disaster will be remembered for a very long <laughs> for a very time. time. <laughs> Not perhaps in the way he had hoped, but perhaps in the way that he deserves. <laughs> um, yeah. Any last remarks about this poem, Michael? No. No, it's terrible. That's all. <laughs> that is fair. Um, that said, gentle listener, thank you for coming with us on this journey of rage, despair, sadness, and bad poetry. Next time, gentle listener, we will be discussing By Force Alone by Lavi Tidhar. Uh, please feel free to read along and give us your feedback in the contact section of tapestryradio.org. Feel free to put Scotch Talk in the subject line. Tweet us at Room with Scotch on Twitter. Uh, feel free to go to the Tapestry Radio Tap House, Tap House on Facebook. Uh, if you request to join, we will let you in unless you are Boreas or the Storm Fiend. <laughs> Either one. Yes. 
happy angry donkeys no no happy angry donkeys who are greek gods or demigods of wind um that said we will also do your homework we don't promise to do it well we do condone plagiarism because uh we get to laugh at you as you get hauled off to plagiarism jail uh if you go to tapestryradio.org slash scotchcast, fill out the form there. We will do our best. We'll make it fun. You'll make it even more fun for us when you get plagiarism jail. I said it. I don't know. Um, if you like this podcast, check out our other shows on the Tapestry Radio Network. Uh, shows like Intermission, our uh, backstage audio drama podcast. Us Play Fiasco, a real play podcast using fiasco uh rpg um you can listen to freddy goes to a podcast our uh another literature podcast reading through the uh classic children's series uh freddy the pig and pokemon rollout our pokemon tabletop united actual play rpg podcast Woo! <laughs> um Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we don't pay to advertise, so that's how others can learn about us and enjoy what you enjoy. Uh, I am on Twitter at Bjartlett. That's at B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Michael, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, do you have any other social media or other projects you'd like to promote, Michael? Not at this time brilliant uh i write the script to a webcomic called pin porter girl detective that's pinporterdetective.com it is a film noir fairy tale detective story starring a scary but entertaining 12 year old girl uh so you can check that out and until next time just remember it's our party and we'll cry if william mcgonagall's meter makes us <laughs> uh, and it does it does <laughs> it does thank you bye ah. <laughs>